Dexter Stucky presents Industry Friends. Welcome to a new edition of Industry Friends. I'm your host, Dexter Stucky. I am here with a new friend of mine. We've actually never met each other in person before, which is I mean, I guess par for the course in this quarantine life that we're living. <laughs> I have in the building with me today, actually, I have on Zoom with me today, because that's, you know, how we live life these days, um, an anesthesiologist, Mr. Robert E. Singleton II. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dex. Is that okay to call you Robert, or should I say doctor, or should I say Dr. Robert? How does that work? <laughs> you can call me Robert. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> you actually, I think you might be the first medical professional that I've had on the show. So this is really exciting. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like, just for people who are new to the show, the, the purpose of this show was created because I think that for me, it took me five years after undergrad to get into my field of choice, um, which is journalism and communications. So my goal with this show is just to make sure other people don't have that same issue. I had no real mentors or anything like that to talk to, to, to hear how they got into it. It's just like, you know, people just say, oh, I got lucky. And like, I wanted to create this show so that other people don't have to take the path that I took. They can listen to someone who's in the field that they want to be in, and then they can kind of follow their steps. And they have like a bit of a blueprint, if you will. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I always start to show off with a personal story about how I know the person, but since we don't know each other, I figured I'd just play a little game so that I and, and the viewers can get to know you. So I'll ask you a couple questions just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Are you okay, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right, so the first question, you've been through medical school. Yes. So I, the first question is, would you prefer to do a year of quarantine or redo medical school? Oh, man, I'll take a year of quarantine. <laughs> I mean, medical school, people always kind of, uh, people warned me before I started how difficult medical school would be. But it's not until you're actually in it and you're taking the exams and you're doing hours and hours of studying, taking exams that you realize uh, for yourself how difficult uh, medical school is. Whereas quarantine, I mean, it's been tough, but, um, you know, I'll take staying at home and um, being with my family over having to go through medical school again, it definitely is um, kind of almost a hazing process going through medical school. Um, so yeah, I'll take the quarantine. Okay. Um, my next question is, and you probably don't watch a lot of TV. I'm not. I, do you watch TV? Do you watch a lot of TV? I watch sometimes. I've been able to um, watch a little bit more recently. Mm -hmm. um, I've been on uh, vacation for the last. Or I've had three weeks of vacation within the last month. So um, when I'm at home, I watch it. And around the election time, I've been able to watch it a lot as well. Okay. So my question, maybe you can answer this question. If you could switch places with any TV doctor, which, what TV doctor would it be? Now, see, I don't watch the medical shows. Like, <laughs> I don't watch uh, Grey's Anatomy. I don't watch because I feel like I already get enough medicine at work. I don't want to come home and and turn on medical TV, I kind of switch to a different person when I get home. Like when I'm at home, I want to be silly. I want to be playful. I have um, a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. And so when I'm at home, like it's all silly time and playtime. Um, and I, I really don't like to watch, you know, medical stuff at, at home. 
So you're probably more so watching Paw Patrol. So I can switch exactly. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm watching Paw Patrol. I'm watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Um, right now, I actually have my kids watching. Um, we kind of have started celebrating Christmas. They're watching um, Jingle Jangle on Netflix right now. So mm -hmm. a lot of Netflix movies and, and that sort of a thing. Uh, really quickly, when you did celebrate Christmas, you guys, there was a thing that you posted on your social media that you guys put up eight Christmas trees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why do you do eight Christmas trees? So it's, it's crazy. We, things kind of just have ballooned and escalated over the years. We used to kind of be like everybody um, after Thanksgiving. That's whenever we put up our Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. But it just kind of gets earlier and earlier and earlier. And we started off with one and then, you know, it turned to two, three, four. And so we just got up to eight trees. Um, and it's fun because, uh, you know, this is around the time of the year that um, it gets dark outside. And so the trees give you light, they make you feel happier and they bring back childhood memories. So, uh, you know, the more, the better. I think eight is enough though, because I was going to say, like, what happened when you guys put the star on that eighth tree? Like, what made you say, okay, this is it. There won't be a ninth. Like, this is the last one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if I see a good, if we see a good cell on a tree, there might be a number nine. But the problem is that uh, they just take so long to put up. And um, when you get the, when you put the lights on them, many years, the lights go out. And uh, it's just a lot. To, it's a lot of, of work. And, and then I guess my final question about the trees, when do you take them down? Because I'm one of those people that if I put a tree up, I probably take it down in October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so growing up, we, my mom always believed that it was bad luck to keep trees up uh, into the new year. Okay. And so we try to take them down as quickly after Christmas as possible. You have about a week uh, between Christmas and, and the new year. So um, during that week, we take everything down. So January 1st, there's no more Christmas anywhere. Wow. <laughs> Did your mom come over and help? Because, like, I mean, that's something like... <laughs> <Georgia right there. laughs> she, she might have to come help, yeah. Um, it's, it's usually quicker uh, putting them away than, um, than putting them up. Mm -hmm. And then so uh, finally, just so we can get to know you a little bit better, um, can you give me two truths and a lie? Two things about you that are 100% true, and then one thing is a lie, and I'll see if I can guess the lie. Okay. Mm, that's a good one. My first job was at McDonald's. Um, I was, before I was a doctor, I was a science teacher. Um, and... I uh, used to work at Chicago O'Hare Airport um, as a passenger service agent. Oh, that's hard. Okay. I think, well, the McDonald's part wasn't on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, the other stuff wasn't either, but like definitely the, I, I, see, McDonald's was my first job. So I kind of think that that was everybody's first job. So I'm going to say that that's true. I'm gonna say the lie. A science teacher. Uh, I'm gonna say the lie is that you worked at the airport. Oh, that's true, man. <laughs> wow. 
Actually, yeah, we, uh, the thing is, you were so specific about the job, so I'm like, either he <laughs> definitely telling the truth about this, or this can't. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, they were all true. I I did all three. I I couldn't. Uh, I didn't want to say the lie at the at the end because you would have known. Like, okay, that was too. You kind of struggled for the first two, and so the last one was the last. So they were Fair all true. Enough. Fair enough. Okay, let's jump right into it now. So you're an African-American man. And like, I know that the medical profession field is, is not, there's not a lot of us there. So growing up, what was it that led you to this path? Yeah, good question. Um, both of my parents are college educated. They both attended um, Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so um, both of my parents encouraged um, myself and I have a younger brother who's about three years younger than me. Mm -hmm. um, they encouraged us to um, pursue higher education. Um, and they, they also encourage us to be doctors. And so, um, you know, I just did my best in school. The one kind of mentor that I had was we did have a family friend, um, who was a pediatrician. And so, uh, I kind of saw him as a doctor and I knew that I wanted to, you know, go into medicine. And then also, um, you know, I don't know if I can, talk about the, the television show, the Cosby show, but, um, you know, I saw that kind of example there too, where you have the doctor and the lawyer and they've got this beautiful family. So um, I kind of used TV and, and uh, some friends that we had in our family to, to kind of lead me in that way. Mm -hmm. So when, when you were in high school, did you know this is what you were going to go to college for and, and beyond? Oh, yes. Yeah. By the time I got to... By the time I was in the eighth grade, I knew that I wanted to go into medicine. And so um, I took a lot of science classes, biology, uh, the advanced, um, the AP classes throughout high school and my biology uh, and my major in college was biology. So I definitely knew the whole time that's what I wanted to, to do. Okay. And um, you actually went to an HBCU as well, Howard University. Yeah. Is, so yeah. I, I, I attended Lincoln University, which we like to say we were the first HBCU. Some people debate <laughs> that, but like, you know. Um, what was it like attending an HBCU knowing that you were going to, be, going to try to be a doctor? So I interviewed, that was the, Howard was the only school where I interviewed because whenever I went, I said, you know what, let me let me cancel my other interviews. I know that I want to be here. Um, like going on the tour, meeting the other students, um, seeing the nurturing environment where everybody looks like me. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to see some of the students, talk to them. Um, I just knew that I wanted to have the experience that I didn't have because for undergrad, I, I went to um, a state school, Louisiana State University. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Um, I just knew that I wanted to have the same experience that my parents had um, in a nurturing environment. Some medical schools can be a little cutthroat. Uh, people are very competitive and um, it wasn't like that at all at Howard. That's exciting to hear, especially because like knowing that like HBCUs are still pushing out like thriving people in, in society mm -hmm. and like one of the big things people say that you know there's no need for hbcus like we don't need the, we don't need stuff like that they're not producing like leaders and whatnot mm -hmm. and it's great to have this podcast for me to sit here and have you here to 
let to know that you attended an HBCU and you speak highly of it. I think that's, I think that's very important. And I think for people who are mm-hmm. listening to the show, I want them to, to know that there's someone in the medical field who attended an HBCU and speak so highly of HBCUs as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I know that recently uh, admissions have gone up tremendously at, at Howard and the other HBCUs. Um, you know, thanks, people. Thanks <laughs> thanks to Beyonce you know thanks to uh, some of the things going on politically but mm-hmm. um, I think there's many people who see the benefit of, um, of not only not only are you um, doing it for yourself but you're also uh, kind of joining the legacy of the people who created Howard and the other HBCUs but after they didn't have the options that we do and they put their all into creating these schools uh, to give us opportunities. Um, and, and so it, it, it kind of is, is a, a way to appreciate and celebrate their legacy and what we've done as, as Black people over the years. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you, you had this idea, like you started this journey early on, as far as early as eighth grade. So when you're going through, um, like, was that middle school and high school and whatnot, Aside from taking like the AP courses, what discipline did you have? Um, so I, my focus was science. I didn't really do any, any medicine when I was in high school. Um, I, just, I just focused on uh, being well-rounded. I think sometimes people take for granted how important it is to, um, to be well-rounded, even though you know you want to do a certain thing, you know you want to be an attorney or a lawyer you still have to, um, you know, appreciate and, and learn the foreign languages, the arts, uh, social studies. And so um, I just focused on excelling at, at all of my classes so that whenever I applied for college, um, you know, I would have that on my resume. And also, um, you, even though I was certain, you may change your mind. You may start college thinking that you want to do one thing, but you get exposure to other fields. Mm-hmm. Um, you may realize that you have talents in other areas. And so if you're well-rounded, you can adapt a little more easily. I was going to ask you that, like, how did you throughout college? I know that's one of the biggest things I know for me, at least like the influence of other friends and like family members and classmates and like your roommate in college could be taking a different course of course load than you are. And you may change your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm more attracted to that. How did you mm-hmm. manage or did you manage to stay the course? Because like, you said medicine, but did you know you wanted to be an anesthesiologist or was that something that kind of like morphed while you were taking your lessons? Yeah. So one thing I've, I kind of pride myself in is I, I feel like I, I know what I want and I try to stick to it. And so I never really wanted to um, deviate from becoming um, a doctor. There was one thing that kind of... Um, influenced me a little bit. I, I think I, I mentioned to you earlier that um, I was a science teacher. Um, there was a program uh, in my school district. We had a, a shortage of, of science teachers. And so they allowed anybody with um, a science degree to teach for up to, a, to uh, one year without getting all the teacher certification. And so I did that between college and medical school. I graduated like one semester early. So that was a way for me to earn some money and kind of prepare for, for, for medical school. Um, and I really enjoyed teaching the kids. Um, 
you know, kind of taking these complex subjects like gravity and density and, and mass and, and, you know, environmental topics and seeing them actually learn what you're teaching was kind of, was a really powerful thing. But um, the only reason why I kind of did not pursue that path is because it's always kind of been my, my goal to be a doctor. And I, I also prayed about it quite a bit. I, I wanted to, you know, do what God wanted me to do. Um, and I, through prayer, um, I felt like the job that was for me, the way that I would be most useful to society was through medicine. Um, and then when I started medical school, I, at first I thought I wanted to be a surgeon. I, my knowledge about all the different disciplines was pretty limited. You know, everybody knows OB-GYN, um, surgeon, family doctor, but there's a, there's so many other different specialties, um, you know, pathology, anesthesiology, um, being one of them. There was a program, uh, a mentorship program where you could work with uh, a physician in the field that you um, are interested in. And I knew pretty quickly I did not want to do surgery. Mm -hmm. um, of course, in the same room as the anesthesiologist, and there was one um, there who really made a really uh, favorable impression on me. He took me behind the curtain and showed me what the anesthesiologist role is and taking care of the patient, uh, making sure all the vital signs are stable, that the patient stays um, safe and comfortable during the procedure. And so through that experience, um, I knew from uh, that point that I wanted to do anesthesia. And uh, there's so many other good ones. I liked pediatrics a lot. Um, that was probably my second favorite. Um, but I didn't do pediatrics because uh, my counselor told me I didn't have the personality for it. Wow. <laughs> you know, do you agree with them or do you disagree? Do you, uh, do you look back and say like, yeah, they were wrong about me? Or do you say like, I should have given, given that a shot? Well, you know what? I actually have tried to, to change since then. I'm, I'm a lot more bubbly more personal i'm not quite as as bubbly as you are but <laughs> but uh, i mean i i um you know i think I've, I've kind of you know um adapted through my training um to be more of a people person so now you told me just now why you didn't take the pediatric role but you never actually said why you didn't take the surgeon route would you mind okay. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> you know what, um, I think that, uh, surgery is one of the most, um, it's one of the most, um, noble disciplines to go into. Mm -hmm. I have, I have tons of respect for surgeons. I work with some of the best surgeons, um, in the field. Um, I just, I just felt like, um, it, you know, first of all, I, I found it a little bit boring just to watch. I'm sure whenever you're actually performing the surgery, it's not boring. But right. as a student, you know, um, you kind of are able, you're able to scrub in, but you're not able to really be there taking out the appendix, taking out the gallbladder. And so I found it boring. And then also, um, I, uh, I just like anesthesia a lot better. Um, Anesthesia, you have to use um, a lot more, you know, math, pharmacy. Um, 
and just all of the, the attributes that take a good anesthesia doctor. I think that I, I had those more so than um, what makes a good surgeon. So I actually thought you were going to say you were squeamish or something like that. That's the reason. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm not squeamish at all. There's one thing that bothers me. Um, you know, I can take anything, but seeing somebody's toes get cut off, like in an, uh, an amputation, like that's, <laughs> for some reason, that's, <laughs> that's just hard for me to watch. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I, for me, it's just a whole list of it. I, like if I walk into the opposite, <laughs> I'm just going to turn around and walk back out. It's, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, you, you get used to. There are people who I work with um, who have fainted in the operating room. Um, but sometimes by that point, you already have invested so much time mm -hmm. into becoming, you know, into going into that field that it's, it's difficult to just kind of turn back. You have to, you have to just go with it, learn to adapt. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you mentioned a lot, which was really refreshing to hear is that you said there were a lot of different programs and like mentors that you found like throughout your journey. Now, yeah. Are those programs easy to find or was it something specific that you that you sought out? Like, how did you find those programs? Oh, the the programs that we had at, at Howard uh, were through the school. And so um, it's a part of the curriculum to shadow positions. Um, and mostly your, your first two years are spent. So the first two years of medical school are spent um, with the science, you're learning chemistry, anatomy, the basic sciences, and then the medical sciences. And then the second two years are spent rotating through the hospital. You're working with, you know, pediatrician, surgeon, um, radiologist. Um, they call them rotations where you spend um, a month or two rotating through the different specialties. And so I didn't do a lot of outside uh, programs. There, there were many just right at, at Howard. Okay. Um, can you walk people through like that? Like just now you were talking about the medical school process. Can you walk through that? Like, so you started in undergrad mm -hmm. and just your journey, like, yeah. know, like what your journey was. Yeah. So um, after, so I, I first, you know, after high school, went to college, um, biology major, that was four years. And then medical school is another four years. And then, um, you know, the first two years are the sciences, the second two years are more clinical. And then after that is, uh, is residency. And so the first year of residency is called the internship. And that's where um, you're learning. Um, and for anesthesia and for many other specialties, the internship is spent doing um, a little bit of surgery, a little medicine to make you a well-rounded physician. And then there's three, what they call categorical years um, of the residency program where it's just anesthesia. And so um, uh, those are years that you spend doing anesthesia for general, general surgery cases, pediatric cases, uh, labor and delivery cases. Um, and then, uh, so after I did that, I immediately started working, but you have the option of doing an additional a year of fellowship mm -hmm. and uh, that is for uh, if you want to specialize um, the biggest ones are um, pediatric anesthesia cardiac anesthesia um, 
there's intensive care. And so those are for people who really want to focus on a particular area. Um, I like doing general anesthesia because I get to do a little bit of, of everything. Mm -hmm. And so I do, um, I get to do, you know, epidurals and spinals for C-sections and vaginal deliveries. Um, I get to do um, nerve blocks for, uh, for knee replacements and hip replacements. Uh, I get to work with kids. And so um, each day is something different. It's funny because I was going to say, can you walk me through a typical day? But I, I, I'm assuming there is no such thing as a typical day. I also love the fact that you said, and this is something that, it, it's something that the words that I use, so I, I really understand that you really love what you're doing, is that you mm -hmm. said, I get to do. And a lot of people, when they're, when you ask them about their career and their work-wise, they're, they're like, oh, you know, I do, or this is what I do, or I have to do. But the fact that you said, I get to do, like, I, I think that says a lot. Now, if you had to give a piece of advice to anyone listening who wants to follow in your footsteps, what would you say to them? Yeah, so the advice that I would give and that I want to give to my kids also is to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, make sure that you're well-rounded, make sure that you um, excel in all of the different subjects. I know sometimes um, it feels like certain subjects are not necessary. It's like, you know, this calculus, when am I ever going to use this? But I think that there are transferable skills like the skills that you need in order to do uh, calculus well, the skills that you need to do um, the subjects that you don't like uh, to perform well in those classes are also the, the it's, it's, it's transferable because you'll need those whenever you're in engineering school, whenever you're in medical school. It's, it's not the same content or the same information, but those same skills that you needed to study calculus are transferable to studying other disciplines. So I would say, um, you know, focus on doing the best you can uh, throughout school. And then the second thing, like you said, mentorship is so important. Okay, so I have to ask you, this part of the show, I always ask my guests what's next. So what is next for you? What's next? Um, you know, I think in my career, I am where I want to be. I, um, I thoroughly enjoy my job and, um, professionally, I think I, um, and that's why I'm just so happy. And I, I try to remain thankful because, um, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do where I've always wanted to be. You know, that's actually really different than like the answers that I normally get. My guests normally tell me something that they're about to work on, something that they're about to do. But honestly, being grateful for where you are and what you've accomplished so far, I think it's an amazing thing to focus on as next steps in your life. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Finally, I close out every show asking my guests for their puzzle piece. Now, your puzzle piece is anything that you have that sticks on the puzzle of life to give other, other people some balance or advice or anything like that. Is there a quote or a mantra or just any like piece of advice that you would like to leave on the industry friends puzzle? Yes. Let me not mess this up. My dad told me when I was a kid, uh, and it's, it's always stuck with me. He said, reach for the moon and you even if you don't get it <laughs> you may get some stars on the way down i've heard, um, I've, heard I've heard like a variation of that like yeah <laughs> reach for the moon and if you don't if you don't land for the moon you'll at least land on the star exactly exactly which is so, still higher than earth 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, aim, aim high. Um, I think uh, you should try to just, you know, do, go the farthest, be the best, no matter what you do, um, be the best at it. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that that's a mantra that any and everyone can live by. And I think that we should be living by that if we're trying to be our best selves and live our best lives. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you, Dr. Robert Singleton, for coming onto the show today. It really means a, Dr. Robert Singleton II. I don't want your dad to get upset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it really means a lot to have you on the show today. Like, I think this is, I think this is a great episode. I'm sure there's so many things that people are like, you should have asked this, you should have asked that. But if you guys have any questions or anything like that, please let me know. I'll make sure I get them over to the doctor. If people were trying to get in contact with you, is there a way that, that that's done? Like, do you do that? Um, I haven't, but, um, I'm, I'm on Instagram, mm -hmm. so that might be the, the easiest way. Okay. Um, I'll put, I didn't know, I didn't know if you, cause some people were like, oh no, I don't give my Instagram out, but I'll put it at the bottom thirds of the, um, okay. the interview. Oh yeah. Give, give it to everybody. I don't care. <laughs> get, get his followers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you once again, Dr. Robert Singleton for the second for coming on to the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Industry Friends. Hey guys, Industry Friends is now on Instagram at Industry Friends. So after you rate the show, subscribe to the show, repost the show, review the show, and tell your friends about it, follow us on Instagram at Industry Friends. Industry, Industry Friends. friends.